continue in our series, uh, uh, Expository Teaching and Looking Through the, the Epistle of Galatians. Um, you know, when we started this week, we've said it, and I've tried to say it over and over again, that it, it's such a relevant book for our time. And, you know, many people after, after the classes are coming and say, man, that, worked, that was just for me this week. And it's funny how God just aligns that stuff, but you're thinking, uh, certain verses, it, what was interesting talking about last week, you know, sometimes you, you look at Galatians, especially the section that we're in, and you think about 3.20 and 3.21, that, that, uh, that, uh, uh, that I'm crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. But then all of a sudden we jumped into that verse 1, and you're thinking, man, that's going to be something that's kind of a, a cursory thing we fly through. And man, God just brings so much depth to it. I mean, isn't that what you like about the Word? That's what I do, because you, you, you can't predict those things. It becomes that unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. That, that uh, It's not just nuggets, I mean, it's unsearchable riches. You know, I don't think there's just a single nugget in the Word. It's all very, very rich, and it's very, very wealthy that it gives into our hearts and minds. So tonight, uh, I want to read again, though, uh, Galatians 3.1, what we talked about last night, to bring some people kind of up to speed. Uh, it said, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ as death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death upon the cross. And so, in our last time, we kind of dealt with just the issue of Paul's address to the responsibility of the Galatian church. And folks, that's a key right there to every bit of that. He kind of flipped the script. He kind of changed it from talking about all these other things, uh, about the influx of false teachers within their midst. And you'll remember a few things that stood out in this discourse from chapter 3, verse 1. That first thing, you old foolish Galatians. And, and I mentioned this about Paul the Apostle so many times. The, the difference between the, the, the source of revelation that he got kind of compared to the source of revelation that the other apostles even got. You know, You've heard that terminology that familiarity breeds contempt. That you get around somebody, and, and I was talking to some, some men there in Rosenberg at Church of Living Waters on, on Saturday morning, Roy and I was, but somebody learning to listen. And sometimes if you know somebody real well, that you cease to listen. And so there's a, there's a point in that conversation, you're thinking to yourself, well, I already know what that person's going to say, and so why listen to them any longer? Folks, we've got to be a little bit different in regards to the Word of God, because sometimes we just shut off what God's saying, and we're thinking, well, God just finished that out. And so many times in the Word, it's the same way. But what I like about Paul the Apostle is that his introduction to who Jesus was, was the risen Christ. He didn't have the benefit of the twelve that, that walked with him and knew Jesus as, as this, this carpenter's son, that didn't have the revelation or the knowledge of him as that, 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 that man that just walked to, uh, uh, the, the, the area of Galilee and Judea. His his introduction was on that road to Damascus, and he saw him in all his power, in all his glory. In other words, he saw him like we see him. Folks, I can read, and, or I can uh, read the Word, read the Gospels, or I can watch a movie that depicts that scene like the Passion of the Christ. And it, it's, it's, it's interesting to look at, but the Jesus that I met was not that Jesus. He was not the, the sandal-wearing uh, uh, son of a carpenter. He was the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. Now, I know that about him. I know that he came in the form of sinful flesh and for sin. But that's not the one I was introduced to. It'd be like somebody coming to you that maybe they, they've kind of got some testimony of, of, of some diabolical past. And they're telling you that testimony. And they're like, uh, they're saying, man, you're not going to believe where I came from, what God delivered me from. And you're looking at them. You're thinking, well, I hear you. And I don't think you're lying to me. Man, I'm, I'm sure you had that notorious or that type of wicked past. But, man, the, the person I know, there's this... So much a difference in what you're saying. Yeah, I, I hear you, but I, I don't, I don't get it because you're so different. 
from who you used to be. And folks, that's the advantage, I believe, in, in Paul's understanding and the revelation of, of, of justification through faith that he had. Because the others had, had encountered Christ, keeping the law, doing those things, being a, a good Jewish person. But all of a sudden, Paul met that, 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 that Messiah who had risen from the dead and extended the covenant that he had made with Abraham to everyone. And I, I don't think we, we see and understand the value in that revelation to that degree. And how much, if we understand it, how much it means to us. You know, I know him. Because so when people tell you, you know, you're, you're talking about walking in righteousness and walking in holiness. I say, oh, you, you, you think you're, and there's a, that wicked word in the church, you think you're perfect. Well, I don't think I am. He called me perfect. Not because Troy Bond does everything right, but because Jesus did something right. And so he's perfected forever those that are sanctified. And I'm not sanctified because I've jumped all through the right hoops and I've kept the right laws and I've done all the right things. But I'm perfected because of my faith in him. Because I refuse to walk in self-righteousness that says that I can't do anything or self-righteousness that tries to, 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 to put forth my best effort. And I put my faith in what Jesus Christ did upon the cross of Calvary. See, folks, that doesn't disempower me. That empowers me. That empowers me to have a victory because this becomes the victory that overcomes my faith. Not my faith in me or how much I can memorize or how many hours a day I can pray or how many neat outreaches I can do or how many people I can witness to. My, my victory doesn't come from those things. Those things just testify of the victory that I know. My victory comes because I got to the end of me. I got to the end of my success. I got to the end of my failure. I got to the end of my ability. I got to the end of my inability. And I came to a place that says, listen, if I'm going to understand Galatians 2.20, and I'm going to be crucified with Christ, I also can know that I'm a partaker in the resurrection. Because if that same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in me, Boy, it's going to quicken me. It's going to make alive even that mortal body that is bound by that fallen nature. Certainly something happens and there's an imputation of righteousness that comes inside of me that is strictly there because I dared to believe. That's what Paul had. And folks, that's what we have. So we don't have to walk in the mullet groves and thinking, man, I can't do anything. And I think that's the, 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 the snare. I think it's the snare today. And I think it was the snare that, that caused that, that the Galatians to fall into that trap again. And he says, oh, foolish Galatians. And he's no longer addressing the Judaizers. I mentioned this last week. Or Peter or James or, or those who were sent from Jerusalem. And there, or, or there would be no uh, uh, mingling of those things. And he says, listen. He said, what about you? What about your relationship? Not about what somebody else did or somebody else brought to the table or what somebody else influenced you with, but what about you? Then he said that, that, that there was something that had to happen, and it was as long as they could deflect the error of their actions into somebody else, they would never take personal responsibility for their actions. Folks, listen, I tell you what, most people having pastored over 25 years and been in the ministry even longer than that and, and preaching places and seeing things, listen, most people that I see fall away from the Lord Never take personal responsibility. I was hurt in church is like the favorite. Or that pastor offended me. Folks, listen, you ain't got enough hurt to take me away from my relationship with Jesus. You ain't got enough offense to take me away from my, uh, my relationship with Jesus. Because if you did, then it was built upon something besides faith in Jesus Christ. It was built upon the opinions of men. It was built upon the, the, the vain teachings, the rudimentary beliefs. It was built upon something else besides a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when you see people that constantly walk in offense and they're disattached from the body, folks, you've got to go back and ask, what is the issue at hand? What is the reason for this? Because they don't have that revelation of the risen Jesus. 
Folks, once you've seen him, once you know him, he's, we talk, we sing the song, I see you high and lifted up. I see you high and lifted up. What else is there better than that? You know, I see the revelation of Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. He saw the Lord. When the, in the year the king died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in the train of his robe. Fills the temple. It changed everything. Even in the life of that, that prophet who had been prophesying for five previous chapters. That suddenly he says, listen, I'm undone. I'm undone. In other words, all of those things I thought I was, I thought I had, I'm undone. I'm unclean. And I dwell amongst the, the people with unclean lips. And what do you say? The angel took a coal off the altar. That representation of the Holy Spirit. It had touched his mouth. And we're going to see that. The same revelation that I believe that Paul had in, on the Damascus Road, and the same revelation that Isaiah had in Isaiah uh, 6 and 9, it's the same revelation that enables us to walk in victory. So he, he taught old foolish uh, Galatians, I mentioned last week that it's not somebody that's mentally deficient or plays a fool by lacking a moral or spiritual understanding, that it's those one that suggested that they can think, that they, they fail to utilize the capacity to understand. They don't walk in wisdom. They don't uh, operate in, in what could be considered common sense. And they're not deficient in the sense of lacking some uh, cognitive ability. But what they are, they lack it in a maturity to apply those truths to their life. Folks, listen. When I got legitimately born again 32 years ago, when I came back to that place and said, listen, I'm tired of playing games. I never had to have somebody come and follow up with me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have somebody knocking on the door and say, man, you need to really get back to church. You need to pray. You, you need to read your Bible. I didn't need that. Why was it? Because I had an encounter with Jesus. I didn't have an encounter with the Baptist church or the Pentecostal church or the Charismatic church or the Methodist church or the Independent church. I didn't have an encounter with them. I had an encounter with Jesus. And he said he's able to keep those things that we commit to him. And so something happened 32 years ago in my life. And you know what? The world could never offer anything that can compare to that. I've never looked back and said, man, I wish I would have just said, I'm nearly 50, and I wish I would have compromised just a few more years. I wish I would have uh, 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 been in another illicit relationship or just partied one time. Folks, there's nothing back there to miss. That's why we put our hand to the plow and we don't look back because any man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for his kingdom. Why? Because his kingdom doesn't come with observation. All of those things we experience or we pine away on or we looking back for somebody on Facebook that, that maybe we knew in years past or all of those things we try to drag up all that thing from the past. But look, and I'm looking to Jesus who is my source. And so yes, there were people that were deliberately infiltrating the ranks with the intention of drawing away. That was true. And folks, listen, I'm here to tell you today, there are people that are deliberately within the ranks of Christianity that they have an assignment from the devil to bring people away. They are. Well, Matthew 7, you know that well, that they, they, they come and they're, they're dressed as, as, as sheep, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And so they're coming in. They're making access by looking the right part. And so, folks, listen, sometimes those people are the friendliest. They seem to be the most benevolent. They're the ones that call you when nobody else calls you. They're the ones that shows up on your doorstep with a bag of groceries when no one else does. You know why? Because they want you have you begin in the spirit. Now you're going to continue. You're going to have your victory in the flesh. Folks, anybody in the flesh can do that. The United Way, the Red Cross, they can show up. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All states, the helping hands people. But I tell you what, none of that stuff's going to, uh, going to satisfy Jesus on the day of judgment. 
And so for what you're going to see is, yeah, there's people that come in and they infiltrate these, these great swelling words as the Word of God speaks of and through, 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 through feigned beliefs and through signs and lying wonders. That's the great deception that has come upon this world. But folks, listen, no more can you have that excuse. There was mixed messages even we talked about that were presented from the leadership of Jerusalem. Oh, the Jews need to do it this way and the Gentiles need to do it this way. You Jews, listen, okay, here's what we're going to make a deal with you. Just... Don't eat anything that's got blood in it. Don't eat anything sacrificed to idols. Abstain from fortification and give to the poor. You Jews, though, you've got to believe everything. You've got you to you uh, maintain the, the works of the law. And so there was a mixed message that was sent to people. It was like, okay, which one is it? Which one's the, the better deal? And yes, even the Apostle Peter, he set a terrible example. And he uh, succumbed to the influence of those Judaizers and the influences. And he even pulled Barnabas to the side as well. We remember we talked about that. But none of these things excuse the simple fact that at the end of the day, everyone is responsible for their own actions. You are responsible for your own actions. Nobody's going to ever say, well, Pastor Troy, that, that wasn't there for me. Or Pastor Troy didn't do this. I'm never going to say, oh, Caleb, you know what? If you'd have given me one more helping hand, I could have done it. I am responsible for my relationship with Jesus. Because my relationship with Jesus isn't based upon me, you, and him. We're not just a bunch of the, the crew of boys. I can't believe somebody uh, uh, didn't, didn't do what they need to do in that equation. It's my relationship with with him. And that's what Paul the Apostle was getting to here. 2 Timothy 2.15 really underscores that truth. When he tells Timothy, Paul the Apostle once again speaking, he said, I want you to study to show yourself approved of the God. I want you to study to show yourself approved of the God. I want you to, to get in the Word. I want you to seek those things out. And he said, I want you to be that workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. I want you to be the one that rightly divides the word of truth. I've said this before too. I'm so glad that I got saved and started preaching and, and, and teaching the Bible before Google. Seriously, because that way my doctrinal position doesn't have to be the first thing that, that pops up on a Google or a Yahoo search. Oh, I wonder what I believe about such and such. Or it don't have to be the, the first thing that pops up by a popular author or somebody I saw on television or somebody that's zinging and zinging in the right direction at that particular time. Man, I had to follow my face and get before God. Billy, I tell you, when I first started preaching the gospel, uh, it, it meant desperation. Here we were, we were in a church that everybody seemed like 100 years older than us. We were just in our early 20s. We went in, I'm thinking to myself, God, what am I going to tell these people? How, how am I going to show up on the scene as this 20-something-year-old young man who loves God and all these things? But, man, I haven't raised children. I've I, I only had a job for a few years. And suddenly, I'm going to step into a place, and I'm going to tell them something that they don't know. I'm thinking to myself, man, these people were around when the Bible was written. What am I going to tell them about it? <laughs> and so it really demanded that I grab a hold of the horns of the altar, and I cry out to God and say, God, you've got to see, show me something. You've got to reveal something to me that transcends my ability to somehow figure it out or somehow try to, 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 to mastermind something that I read in some commentary. God, I need something fresh. I need something on fire. I need something real. I need something revelatory. I need something that I didn't learn in some classroom and just regurgitate something over and over again. God, I need something from you. And so we, we didn't have, a, how many years was it before we even had a Saturday together? should tell you. I mean, I worked all week in banking, and on Saturday, I usually worked a half day in the morning, and right after Saturday, man, I, I, I went, and I just hid myself before God. 
man, I got on my face and I, and I cried out to Jesus, God, I've got to hear from you because I had not learned to hear from him. I didn't know how to be sensitive to his voice. And so I just shut out everything else. And at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, man, I was in my, my office at the church crying out to God. And at 1 o'clock in the morning, I was still there. Many times going into the wee hours, I may come home and, and sleep for an hour. And I was back up at 3.30 or 4 o'clock going. And by the time the church was there, man, my heart was still pounding. God, listen, I've got to hear from you. Why? Because that was my place of revelation. It wasn't because I had the right credentials and I knew how to spit out the right outline. It's that I had to grab a hold of God and I had to learn how to hear from Him. I had to develop a sensitivity to Him. That way when it came down the pike, I couldn't say, well, I stopped serving God because that pastor disappointed me. Or that church opportunity didn't present itself to me. Because Christ Jesus presented an opportunity for me to know Him so that I could make Him known. And folks, if you're trying to find a shortcut to that through whatever opportunity it is, it does not exist in a place of intimacy. It exists in a place of information because we can shortcut you to information, but we cannot shortcut you to a place of intimacy. You have got to know Him, and it simplifies everything. I hear people want to argue over the Bible. Listen, man, you can't walk in victory. You just don't know my Jesus then. Man, people are going to foul up all the time. Well, you just haven't met the Jesus that I met. You met the Jesus of some storybook or some DVD that you play on Christmas or, or, or Easter. If you met the Jesus that I had met, if you had known Him, if you would experienced what I've experienced, if you've tasted what I've tasted, then you'll know that there's a victory to be found. Yes. But there's no shortcut for that. It's going to take desperation. It's going to take uh, not being able to see all the premieres of every movie and not being able to play golf when you want to play golf and do those things. Take the, the, the extended vacation. It's going to cost you something. No, it's going to cost you everything. But what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It won't put you on a billboard, folks. But I tell you what, it'll put you in a place, in a frame of mind, in the heart, and the spirit, that you will be unflappable and unshakable. And you're not going to be able to stand because of what you know. You're going to stand because of who you know. You hear me? You're going to stand because of... Who you know. Study. Show yourself approved unto God. A workman that does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So when it comes down to it, you should have the mindset to guard the most costly of commodities. That being the revelation that brought salvation into your life. I asked uh, a, a couple weeks ago, I, I believe it was uh, Andrew. I said, are you saved? And he said, yeah, I'm saved. I said, how do you know you're saved? Well, because I asked Jesus to come into my life. Well, how do you know that you're saved? Well, I'm not doing things. I said, well, it sounds a lot like about you rather than about him. And folks, we do. We've got to have a, a revelation of Jesus and that salvation experience that becomes bigger than us. Because as long as it's built upon us, it's predicated upon us, how I feel or what I'm doing or whatever else. Folks, that's where condemnation comes into a person's life. But how many of you know that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus? Not around to Christ Jesus. But who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk after the flesh, even the flesh that prayed the right prayer at the right altar, even the flesh that, that does the right stuff, and the flesh that attends the right outreaches and makes the right sandwiches for the right poor people, who don't walk in the flesh, but after the Spirit, that Spirit that transcends anything that we can see in the natural, that Spirit that's inside of us that doesn't just change what we do, but changes who we are. Acts 17, 11 you should know this well. Now the Bereans, uh, Jews were more noble in character than those that were of Thessalonica. For they received the message 
Receive the word with eagerness. With, uh, but they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So they had a hunger. They had a desire to see those things. And so they, they, they weren't just mesmerized by what they saw outwardly. Folks, listen. We live in the generation of people just being mesmerized. We, we are so entertainment driven that we've dumbed the gospel down to the most entertaining presentation. And so, if we've got the big enough screen, if we put on the, 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 the bring forth the best repertoire, or, or, or we have the right music, or the right lights, or the, the right rhythm, or, the, or, or whatever it is that we can present, then certainly that's got to be the Lord. Folks, listen, we've got to examine the scripture to see if those things that, that are true, but we've been so mesmerized by what we see that we forget about what God said. So the Galatians certainly obviously failed to be Bereans. And in this case, they found themselves failing to utilize their capacity to understand. They became foolish. They became bewitched. They did not use their, their wisdom to operate in what might consider just common sense. Folks, the reason that that's important then and the reason it's important now, because like I said, every, at the end of the day, every single one of us are going to stand on the account of our own actions. Every man is going to be judged according to his own fruit. And those things that, that, that can't meet the mustard or can't sustain the fire are going to be consumed. They're going to be burned up. The books are going to be opened and every man's going to be judged according to his works and whoever's name's not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life is cast into the lake of fire. But listen to Philippians 2.12 for just a second. Here's what he said. He said, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. I like how you put that in there. You always followed my instructions when I was with you. You know, as a pastor and as a leader, I can say that many times. Man, you guys are on point when I'm with you. Some of you guys that are here, you know, have children or having kids, you're going to find that's going to be the case as well. As long as you're kind of looking over the shoulder, man, they'll be on point. But he said, I, I always follow, you always follow my instructions with you, but now that I'm away, it's even more important. It's more important to realize what you're doing is not just based upon the oversight. It's not based upon the fact that uh, you're not going to be pleasing to a person. But everything that we do is going to be pleasing unto God. And he goes on to say, he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Folks, you don't hear that much in, in the modern church. What do you mean work out your salvation with fear and trembling? I want to feel good. I want a positive message. Folks, I think what it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, there's a, 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 a gentleman, actually, his ministry, very well known. I'm not even going to get into who he is tonight because I don't want to chase that tangent. Very well known here, and he's from the Louisiana area. Very popular guy. He, but he came out with this divine revelation of heaven that he had in this experience. Now, this is a guy that's known in his, I, I loosely use the word preaching, but He's always cracking jokes. He's this funny man, and it's just it's just like a barrel of laughs. And then he kind of gets around to some prosperity gospel or whatever it may be. But he said that you know he went to heaven, and he's cracking jokes with people in heaven, and he's you know cutting up with Jesus. Folks, I heard that, and I wanted to vomit. I mean, I was repulsed inwardly. Why? Because who does he think God is? Some clown? Somebody that was that was that was. Just so, somebody sent to entertain us? Because I look at the Revelation, and I look at John the Beloved, the one that knew him, the one that leaned upon him, the one that wrote the Revelation, wrote 
the Gospel of John. Pen the, the, the epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And when he encountered him, he felt like a dead man. He wasn't cracking jokes. He said, hey, where you been, homie? Good to see you. No, he felt like a dead man. Folks, it's just when we encounter Jesus, if it doesn't cause our flesh to die, we're encountering the wrong Jesus. If we're encountering Jesus, and it's just a laugh a minute, and it's just a, a it's just this novel thing, and it doesn't cause us to shudder in His presence, it is a false gospel, and it is not the Jesus of the revelation. You hear me? And so we've got to come to that place where we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling, and we see the value, we see the power, we see the majesty in the position who God is, then we'll shudder. Then there's that moral dread, that fear of God, that moral dread of being displeasing unto Him because we understand who He is, that He is high, and He is lifted up. Do you hear me? It's not just the words of a song. Man, it's a revelation of who God is, and it changes everything. Because if God is God and He always will be God, that puts me permanently in my position of submission to Him and total dependence upon who God is. And if I'm going to do that, then it causes me, man, God, if that's who you are, man, I want to know exactly what you expect out of me. I want to know what you desire, Lord God. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to seek it out, Lord God. I'm going to pour through your word. I don't want to find something. And Lord God, if there's something that, caused, that, that allows me to survive, Lord God, when you said you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, Lord God, I know it's not of you. If there's something that promotes my flesh, Lord God, if it's something like that, I know that no flesh will glory in your presence. I want to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. What's interesting is I read Philippians, and you may know this, but Philippians was actually written five years after Galatians. And so when Paul the Apostle is addressing the Galatian church, you know, obviously it's a situation that, 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 that has become widespread in Galatia, and he's, he's understanding, man, how can you? I mean, if you look at how Paul addressed those, in those first uh, three chapters, two chapters that we've looked at, you know, I'm, I'm perplexed, I'm amazed. And so it wasn't like he was expecting to show up. I'm sure Paul the Apostle showed up and when, or when he wrote that letter to Galatia and had his experiences in Antioch, that he's thinking to himself, I thought you had the same encounter I had. I thought you came in contact with the same Jesus I did. How did that happen to you? How was it? Folks, as I was talking to uh, uh, my, my daughter, uh, uh, Josephine, uh, you guys know her as uh, Johanna, so if you're listening, you're wondering who I'm talking about. And we're just talking about how people have known the Lord and, and fall away. And really, I was just challenging her and her young walk with the Lord. She's like, well, I don't, I don't know how I could do that. I don't know how. And, I, and I began to give her examples of men that have served with me in ministry for years. Guys that had preached the gospel. And I began to share with her how, man, this guy's left his wife. And he's, got, he's shacked up with a girlfriend. Or this, this person, their, their, their whole ministry's uh, dissolved. And they're not even serving Jesus anymore. And I gave her example after example after example, it, I knew these men. I labored with these men. I preached around this nation with these men in some of the most hardcore places. Some of the testimonies people have heard me share, I could plug their names into some of those incredible testimonies because they stood right there with me. What happened? What happened? What, was the, what, what differentiated between the revelation that they had Versus the revelation that I have. That's what I asked myself. What? Could they not see it? Where along the line did they cease to work out their salvation with fear and trembling? When did they start deifying themselves 
and humanizing God? When did they think that they had backed God into some proverbial corner and now they could call the shots? Folks, listen, you'll never call the shots. You'll never come to a place in your relationship with God that you can put it on cruise control. You'll never come to a place in your relationship with Jesus where you've got it all figured out. You'll never come to that place where you're not totally dependent upon Him because the day that you come to that place is the day that just like in what we've seen in Galatians 1 and 2, something will worm in, something will walk in and, and, and give, cause you to take that second glance and turn away from the truth. You'll give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and pretty soon... You'll say to yourself, listen, but I'm still going to church. I'm not killing anybody. But I got a girlfriend on the side. I ain't smoking weed anymore. And you begin to justify those things in the flesh. But where will your heart be? There's no more fear and there's no more trembling. Galatians 3, 2, after saying that to them, he said, let me ask you this one question. Little Tony. <laughs> Some don't understand that joke. Others like James St. Jean is still trying to figure it out. He said, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? This translation says, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. King James says it this way. It says, the only, this only what I learned from you. This is the only thing I'm asking from you. Received you the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of Faith. So did you receive the Holy Spirit by what you did, by obeying the law? Or did you receive it because you believed the message that was brought for you? And let me ask you this question. When it's all said and done, it really comes down to one thing. And it's what Paul was getting to right there. Isn't that true? When it's all said and done, you've got to ask yourself the exact same question he put to them. And so their actions, which were what? Departing from the faith from walking away from that covenant to following another gospel, which he said was not even a gospel at all, it was so incomprehensible to their initial experience with Christ that he had to remind them of it. That's why he posed the question. Let me ask you a question. You used to preach with me. Man, we saw God deliver people from demonic powers on, 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 on Hollywood Boulevard together. And you remember that time that we were in the streets of New York City and those people came against us and then we stood and we saw the Spirit of God uh, uh, bring them down? You remember that time we went to that outreach in, in that community and man, things weren't going good and man, the Spirit of God showed up. Remember when those folks invited us to go to that church? And, and man, we didn't even know those people, but man, we prayed and we were a little bit nervous and God showed up and those people got healed at that place. You remember that? Folks, I, 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 I pose that question because... Those are real life scenarios and examples that I can remember. Man, I remember when you were at that altar and man, you had that revelation of Jesus. I remember on February 2nd, 1991, you were the very first person that came and got saved at the church at 713 North Johnson. What happened to you? What happened to that person that, that, that had found themselves hooked on crystal meth? And what happened to that person that we, we kicked that door down to get you out of that place so you could serve? What happened? What happened to that relationship that you had, that you rejoiced? You said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that God delivered me from that. Folks, I can give you hundreds of those cases that caused me to shudder on the inside because that's real. What happened? 
What was it? Let me ask you the question. Did you receive it by the law or did you receive it by faith in what Jesus Christ did? What was it that brought about that change in your life to begin with? Folks, what you're one with is what you're one to. You hear me? What you're one with is what you're one to. Folks, listen, when I decided to come to Christ Jesus, it wasn't because I went to a neat service. It wasn't because I, somebody invited me to some cool uh, stadium event and they had the top uh, Christian artists there. And man, everybody was excited. I said, man, I want to be excited like they were. It wasn't come, I, I, I saw some cool manifestation or any of those things. It wasn't because of that. It wasn't even because, man, somebody spoke a word and I said, man, one day I want to be able to preach. And teach. It wasn't that at all. Since I looked in the mirror and I beheld myself in that looking glass of the Word of God, and I said, you know what? As good as everybody else thinks it is. Folks, listen, I didn't come from some uh, drug uh, culture. I didn't come from something like that. I just came from somebody that was desperate in the need of Jesus. That was it. And so nobody was knocking down my door. Uh, nobody was, was, was turning my teeth into gold. Nobody was doing any of those things or, 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 or teaching me how to have a, a Jesus mosh pit or anything like that. The Spirit of God came in and convicted me of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And I was changed and I was transformed. And I was won through repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And you know what? It worked. It worked. The gospel is still enough and it still pleases God through the preaching of the gospel to save those that believe. So what was it that really changed you? Was it that song you heard on the radio and it had a good message? I know people that said they got saved like that. Five years later, they're not in church. Or was it because of that nice thing that somebody did for you? I know people, I can tell you, people that got saved because of that. Somebody hugged their neck and smiled at the right time. Well, when people stop smiling, they stop serving. He's able to keep those things that we commit. To him. Folks, that was the challenge in Galatia. And folks, that's the challenge now. This is the question that's got to be asked of any sincere person that's come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. And then along the way decides to go back into some form of bondage or works-based salvation that proved powerless to begin with. Think about Hebrews 6. People love this one. Hebrews 6, and this is a great question mark that it always puts upon young believers' heads anyway. Some people have been in church. What is this? What is this? Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. You, you've heard it. You probably wanted to avoid it or thought, man, I want to get away from that. It says it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. Those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. And then to turn away from God, it's impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing Him to the cross again and holding up Him to a public shame. Folks, that's why people don't like to read and study and preach out of the book of Hebrews, because you come to something like that. Oh, the angels having received a just, the angels that sinned having a, received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape? If we neglect so great of a salvation. See, Hebrews is full of things like that. If you sin willfully after you've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more a sacrifice for your sins, but a certain looking into fire indignation that awaits his adversaries. 
Or the great one we mentioned, oh, he's perfected forever those that are sanctified. Hebrews is full of those things. Why? Because Hebrews was dealing with the exact same thing Galatia was dealing with and the same thing that the church of today is dealing with. And you get those hard balls thrown across the plate right at their chin. And rather than take a swing, you duck out of the way and hope that somebody walks you. He said you repented initially. This is back to Hebrews 6. You were enlightened. You've experienced the good things. You've shared in the Holy Spirit. Anybody of you repented initially? Amen? How many of you have been enlightened by the Spirit of God? How many of you experienced good things again? Amen? How many of you have shared in the Holy Spirit? How many of you have tasted of the Word of God? How many of you have experienced the power of the age of come, the church age? You've experienced the benefits of this age of grace. Anybody? How many of you have turned away from that revelation? Say, yes, 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 yes. And we get down to that last one. How often have you found yourself in word or in deed or in spirit turning away and having to say yes to that same thing? So he likens it to rejecting of the Son of Jesus, crucifying him all over again, shaming him publicly through these actions. Really? You've done all that? Then suddenly you're going to bring an open shame to Jesus through your actions? Folks, remember, this was addressing those who thought they could have it both ways. That's what the, the letter to Hebrews was written to. You had those Hebrews that were having it tough on both sides with the Romans and with the, now they've become Christians and so they had no home. And so what were they saying? Listen, what we're going to do is we're going to become those undercover brothers and we're going to go back to the sacrificial system. We're going to do those things, but we're still going to believe in Jesus. Folks, that's what he's talking about. They thought that they would find their source and they thought that they would have their revelation. They thought that they would have their intimacy with God through going back and doing all those things that were merely a type and shadow of the relationship. He says, you go back and do those things Keeping your little feast and burning the right candle on the right end on the right day. He said, you just put Jesus to an open chain. Folks, you know what it would be like? You know, November 15th this last month, Melanie and I celebrated 30 years of marriage. You know, when, when I first met her, you know, we were just 16-year-old kids who just trying to get one another's attention. That was really all it was. You know, that's what the relationship was built upon. It was built upon, you know what, I'm going to give the semblance of something. You know, man, she's really, I, I wish it was something, uh, you know, uh, a, a little bit more noble, but, you know, I just thought she was like the most beautiful person I'd ever seen. That's why I was attracted to her. I wouldn't think to myself, oh, she's got all these great characteristics and all these things. I, I just wasn't there at that time. I'm thinking, man, she's gorgeous. And so I had to act in a certain way to build a relationship to foster something that if it stayed that way, as soon as Somebody starts changing or aging or you have conflicts. It's like, whoa, you're not the person that I fell in love with. Folks, people say that about Jesus all the time. You're not the Jesus I fell in love with. The Jesus that I fell in love with was a Jesus that, man, i got my best life now. Everything was good and everything was rosy. I didn't know that I fell in love with the Jesus who said many of the afflictions of the righteous. I didn't know I fell in love with the Jesus who said... They hated me, so they'll hate you. That's not the Jesus I fell in love with. That's what them crazy street, that's the Jesus they fell in love with. But the Jesus I fell in love with is, is the, the long-haired, sandal-wearing, pot-smoking, peace-sign-flicking Jesus that this world thinks is Jesus. Not the one that was accounted with suffering that says, yes, you will drink of this cup. And so as soon as that other Jesus shows up, they say, listen, hold on there just for a moment. Let me go back to a system 
that makes it just a little bit easier on me. So let me ask you the question. He said, the manner in which you answer this question, this simple question is the key to understanding everything that you've subsequently embraced. The way that you answer the question is, what is it? How is it? How is it that you received the Holy Spirit by the law, and now you're trying to receive it by the law, but you initially received it through faith? So he said, listen, the manner in which you answer that simple question really removes all the other arguments, and the argument which is about to be addressed will be enough to really satisfy everything else. So folks, listen, these people, they had converted to Christ. They had received the Holy Spirit into their lives. They had demonstrated genuine evidence of this experience with Christ. But now, having experienced all those truths, He's right back to that same question. How did that stuff come to you? You claim to know him. You claim to love him. You claim to walk with him. How did that come to him? How did that come to you? Folks, listen. I had people in my life telling me I was saved before the Spirit of God told me I was saved. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you're saved. Well, how do you know I'm saved? Because you go to Sunday school. Am I saved? Yeah. Then you remember you got dunked in that water. You got saved. Are you saved? Yeah, I was there the day at summer camp and you prayed that prayer. You're saved. Nobody should be able to tell you you're not saved. Well, what happened with the Spirit of God bearing witness with my spirit that I was a child of God? Well, I didn't receive it by the Spirit. I received it by works or by the flesh or by going to the right church and saying the right things or doing the right things. But I never genuinely received it by faith. Why? Because I began in faith and now I'm trying to finish my works and He's able to keep those things that we commit to Him. Folks, see, that's the big trap. The trap of Galatia. That's the trap of now. That's why this prayer, prayer, put a notch in my belt, Jesus, this doesn't work. And so we preach a gospel, even us that preach out on the streets. If we're rushing somebody to a decision, yeah, they'll make a decision. But there'll never be a transformation. You'll seldom see a transformation that happens like that. You'll never see a transformation that happens and they walk right back into the same strip club. You'll never see a transformation that happens and they go right back into the same company of friends. You'll never see a transformation happens and, and, and they still live the same life and they still have the same desires. Why do I say that? Because that's what the Bible says. That if anyone's in Christ, he's a brand new person. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. It's not this gradual process of one day it's becoming new. It's something immediately changes and transforms you. Now, whether you hold on to that or you say, listen, having tasted, having seen, having been enlightened, I want to go back to another system that kind of lets me have it my way. Well, that's the revelation of how you got it. Did this happen? Well, as a result of you obeying the law of Moses or through faith, the faith of the finished work of the cross of Calvary. See, Many that have at one time walked with Jesus, folks, now find themselves venturing off into some other faith or some other variation or effort to maybe go deeper, to appear more spiritual, or appear to have some, some greater revelation. Folks, they're the ones that need to ask themselves that same question. When did that cease to be enough? When did what you initially came to that changed you cease to be enough? When did faith in what Jesus did that did what nothing else could do before that, when did it suddenly not be enough? And so we can ask ourselves that question. You, you know why you came to Jesus, because nothing else satisfied you. While you tried the other things that appealed to your flesh, maybe they just appealed in a 
know, less dignified or less righteous way than they do now. So why is it that we go back and we try to find something else that appeals to our flesh? You know that doesn't work. So what is it that draws us away from that place? Maybe it's what it really takes. Because the sacrifices that I have to make in my relationship with my wife after 30 years are suddenly and certainly a lot greater sacrifices than I made in my relationship with a 16-year-old girl. You hear me? The sacrifices I made to a 16-year-old girl was to make sure I had a clean shirt on and I picked her up for a date on time. The sacrifices I make for a wife is to put her first and to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. To consider her thoughts, to consider her feelings, to consider her well-being over and above my own. And just as Ephesians 5 says, I speak a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So, what is it? How did you receive? How did you believe? Was it because you were able to do the right things? Or was it simply because you had faith in Him? Why do you think going back to the very things you failed to be transformed by in the beginning will somehow have any power to transform or keep you 